but it still baffles me how people will line up in a queue for almost two hours to meet me when at the show there are Olympians, incredible riders, and then it, it's just me. Welcome to the Charles Owen podcast. Charles Owen has been manufacturing high-performance, stylish riding helmets since 1911. And to celebrate its 110th birthday, we are interviewing a range of riders, from the biggest names in equestrian sport to up-and-coming superstars. In these exclusive interviews, they reveal their highs and lows and share their secret to success in this challenging sport. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Esme, hello. Welcome Hi. to the Charles Owen podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Well, very excited to talk to you. Um, now, I want to know, and obviously we know you've got lots of followers on YouTube. Oh. I'm curious to know, how do you describe what you do? If someone said to you, oh, what's your job? What do you do? How would you describe what you do? Oh, goodness. There are so many different things. Um, that kind of is my job. So I usually just say I'm a YouTuber, but there's a lot more that sort of goes into that than just making videos. Um, there's also all the brands that I work with, such as Charles Owen. Um, there's also um, the emails, the admin, the filming the videos, the editing the videos. Um, getting photos of product um, and things like that. So there's a lot that goes behind the scenes. So usually I just say YouTuber, but I feel like sometimes it's a little bit more than that. <laughs> and then if I was gonna, that leads me on to my next question actually, because I know that when you first started this, you were then, when you're juggling first of your GCSEs, then you're juggling your A-levels. Now, now I'm all right, you've now, you're working on this full-time. Yes. <laughs> it's a full-time job. So how, what, is, what does an average day look like for you? Because obviously you still got your three horses. Yes. So what does an average day look? How much time are you riding? How much time are you filming? How much time are you editing? How much time are you working with brands, etc.? <laughs> it's probably easier for me to say what I do in a week than what I do in a day because okay. all of my days are so different. They're so varied. Um, it really does change week for week because obviously we've had lockdown recently and I've been sort of here, there, everywhere, sort of catching up on filming videos. So the last sort of three weeks, I've probably filmed about three or four months worth of content. So wow. at the moment, I think I've got 10 videos that I've filmed that need editing because what some people don't really realize is how long it takes to edit a YouTube video. Sometimes it can take a few hours, sometimes it can take a few days or even a week. It depends on how much footage I have. Um, so I find the videos that I do at shows, they tend to be the ones that take the longest to edit because I do so many transitions, so many sort of chopping up lots of different bits of footage all the transitions and everything so that takes a long time obviously I've got the horses as well um, so I look after them um, and ride them I usually have a lesson once a week with my instructor on my new horse Joey that I got back yeah. in March just before lockdown so he's sort of the new boy to the herd um, I've also got my horse Casper as well who I ride so I, I try to ride both of them around five to six times a week it really depends sometimes um, such as recently um, not too long ago I went to the Charles own factory so I was out and away filming um, for a few days then um, so yeah it's it's been really busy recently you've mentioned your a-levels there what did you do your a-levels in uh, so I did biology chemistry and geography for my a-levels um, okay so I finished them back in 2019 and I kind of um, was gonna spend this year as kind of a gap year to see what it was like being a YouTuber full time. And it's something that I really enjoy and I want to try and carry on with for as long as I possibly can. As soon as I finished A-levels, it was kind of like, bam. So I think I finished my chemistry A-level 
um, in the morning. And then that afternoon I was at Hickstead. I wow. was filming there working. And my family have this kind of joke that I haven't really stopped working since. It's been pretty what busy. You, <laughs> what do your family make of it? And obviously you're, obviously you're a very bright girl. They are oh. quite impressive A-levels to take. Um, what do your family think of the fact that you are this uh, yeah, brainy girl and you've decided to become make YouTube your career. I mean, is this your career? What do they think of it? So yes, YouTube is my full-time career. They're both super supportive of it because um, it's something that I really enjoy and I am able to do as a job and it's given me so many amazing opportunities that I'm so grateful for and so many skills I've learned from it as well, such as talking to the camera and presenting, interviewing riders, learning how to edit. And yeah, the opportunities that YouTube has given me is something that I would never be able to do without it, mm, such as mm. riding on the Hickstead Bank on my pony, Casper, um, seeing and interviewing some incredible riders that I've looked up to for years and visiting their yards, sometimes even riding some of their horses, which still just blows my mind today. Yeah, you, you had a go on William Fox Pitch. Yes, that right? yes, Little Fire. That was just incredible. Because he was like, oh, do you want to have a little sit on it? And I thought he meant, oh, do you want to just like have a sit on it for a photo? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, go on. And then he was like, oh, you can have a walk around. And I was like, oh cool so you can trot if you like and then like by the end of the end of the session I was cantering it and I was like oh my gosh Amazing. I'm schooling this badminton horse wow. so and, and I mean that's quite a lot of pressure and you're you're 19 is that yes, right yes I am 19 still, still so young oh. that's, that's what you're doing is a big deal and you oh. come a long way and I've read that you were really quite shy to start out with yeah. so how have you cope with all, with all the attention being out there and being this face and, and meeting all these amazing people yeah so I'm actually quite a shy person when I was at school I used to hate having to do any presentations in front of the class reading out loud it just was not my thing but um, I feel like YouTube has given me so much confidence so literally from not being able to want to talk in front of the class to interviewing top writers that I've looked up to for years mm. it's it's quite a contrast so um, especially when I first started out talking in front of the camera um, it's sort of a skill that um, it's just something the more you do it the more you get used to it and the more it feels natural yeah, more natural it becomes such as yeah. for example when I'm filming at the shows before I'd be a little bit self-conscious I'd speak a little bit quieter especially if I was in public and people were watching but it's one of those things with confidence you just kind of have to fake it till you make it you have to be like bam let's go let's film look like you know what you're doing and it's it's just made me so much more confident. Like now I'm fine talking to the camera and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah. <laughs> and, and what would you say, I mean, speaking of your, of your nerves and all the amazing things you've done, what would you say is the hardest part of your job? The hardest part? Well, I think with YouTube, the most difficult thing is pleasing everybody, which is definitely something um, that nobody can do in this world. Not everybody is going to like you. Not everybody is going to like the videos that you make and things like that. So it's really trying to find a balance, but also like I feel like I'm quite creative and I come up with lots of new video ideas, but I'd say the most difficult thing about being a YouTuber in general is sort of... Um, progressing but not changing so much that people are like oh my goodness who is she what's she doing but then if you carry on making the same exact videos all of the time people are going to get bored you need to have always yes. have something new and exciting but don't be so different that people get switched off and they're like this isn't what I signed up for well it's interesting because I was going to ask you how have your videos evolved over the years because not only have you matured and grown and got more confident your editing skills have got better so how 
How have, how have you progressed? How have things changed over the years? Yeah, so I first started off doing everything on my phone. Um, since then, I've sort of upgraded with camera equipment. Um, I used to do a lot of videos with my GoPro and things. Um, now we have like a drone, which is pretty cool that we use sometimes, um, which wow, the horses are used to now. The first time we flew it over in their field, they're all looking at it like, oh my goodness, what is that? <laughs> um, but no, they're, they're, I'm so lucky that all of our horses are really chilled with all of the camera equipment. It's it's just something that they've got used to over time. And sometimes when we go yeah. and film with other people, we have to be really cautious and remember these horses aren't used to sort of somebody standing next to them with a camera. Speaking of, of trying new things, you've just done a new, a much more kind of feature length, haven't you? So a documentary style video, can you tell us about that? Yes, so um, I thought I'd play around with a few different things with the editing and the filming. So I actually did a video at my friend Kate's, Kate Lewis, um, and I did a video called Day in the Life of Blob the Cob, which is her YouTube channel. But anyway, so I spent the day with her and I wanted to make this video sort of big, bold and different. So I filmed it almost like a documentary, um, made it a bit more cinematic, um, really, I, it spent so many days. <laughs> I spent so many days editing this video, but I'm super happy how it came out and um, everybody seems to be enjoying it so far, which I'm really happy about because with YouTube, whenever you put something different out, it's always a little bit nerve wracking. You're a bit like, oh my goodness, like what are people gonna think to this? This is a little yeah. bit different, but no, it went down really well, which I'm super happy about. And and two is because, but obviously part, for a lot of it, you're on screen. Yes. Um, it's not like now you've got the camera set up on a tripod. <laughs> yes. So who's did the filming for you in that situation? So I'm really lucky that um, my family helped me out with filming my videos. Even when I was younger, before I started YouTube, um, if I went like, out show jumping or something like that, I'd always get my parents to film my round so I could watch it back, see how it went, see the things that I could improve on. So, so it's a real family affair. Yes, so even my brother helps out a lot. He flies the drone. Um, he's got a 3D printer as well. So he, that's been really useful. He's been printing out things for the camera. So we have all these sort of added bits and bobs and no, it's it's, I'm just really lucky that they're so supportive and help me a lot with what I do. And what does your brother think of having such a massive YouTube star? Is he, is he, is he proud of you? Uh, yeah, it's just something that we've all kind of got like a little bit used to. Thing is, um, it sounds weird, but it's kind of like Hannah Montana, best of both worlds, because if I just um, sort of go out into town, that kind of thing, don't get recognised by people at all. I just feel like a normal teenager, if I'm honest. But then it's when I go to the horse shows and things, that's when yeah. it feels a little bit more strange and different and people start to recognize me. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit like the best of both worlds. It's something that I've kind of got used to over time, but I think it's really lovely. I love meeting um, people who watch my videos. I love when they tell me like what their favorite videos are and when talking about yes. the horses, learn a bit more about them. And it's just so lovely. So I was going to ask, do, do you have a favourite video? Something particularly that you're, that you're proud of or fond of? I did a lot of travel last year. So I went to Iceland, rode some Icelandic horses, which was just amazing. Um, I went to the US, I did some Western riding in Colorado, Utah and Texas, um, which is something I've been wanting to do for so long. So I really enjoyed wow. doing that and trying Western riding. Um, I actually have a few videos coming up soon of me trying some different di disciplines. They're some of my favorite videos. When you've done them, do you watch them back? Uh, or once you've sometimes done, done it depends on. on the video. So for example, I have like a progress video. I think it was my five years with Casper where it kind of shows um, how far we've come together as a horse and rider combination. So that's a video every now and again, I like to go back and watch just because it's so lovely to see, you know, how far we've progressed. Um, 
Because so. I watched that video of you, your, your journey yes. with Casper, and it is quite remarkable. Oh. And I am a rider and also a mother of a 12-year-old daughter who yep. rides. And my reaction when I saw you, him bucking, those yeah. bucks, and you falling off repeatedly. And I think your parents did say to you, they gave you a bit of a deadline, didn't they? And say, we think we're going to have to get yeah. because. And I thought, I don't blame no. them. I don't blame them. So amazing your persistence absolutely massive oh, respect to you for that and for your parents supporting yeah. you I mean yeah so I mean a lot of people would have given mm-hmm. up and and well and, and what an amazing horse he turned into yeah no he? so I could always see the potential in Casper we got him because he was within our budget which was actually quite small at the time because I wanted to keep my first pony Mickey who has the biggest personality oh my goodness he, we we just call him our family dog like we take him for walks to the village shop and things so I just we couldn't <laughs> we couldn't get rid of Mickey so when we got Casper yeah, our budget was a lot smaller he was very green very young and very unexperienced and um I was 12 and he was seven. So he really hadn't done that much um, because he used to be in Ireland and I don't don't know what they did with him. I think they just hunted him and that was it really. So he hadn't really seen many sort of coloured show jumps and fillers and things. So it was one of those things that, yeah, I just persisted and I knew that he could be the horse that he is today. It was just making him feel happy and settled in the home that he is in now, I think. He just, he was one of yeah. those horses where he needed his person. I feel like I'm definitely his person. Um, like, it's so funny. He's still st- quite strange when other people ride him. He takes a lot for somebody to, for him to actually trust mm. somebody. So, yeah, no, he's just so amazing now. He's such a lovely little horse. He's a really lovely all-rounder. I can do everything with him, take him out hacking, um, go cross-country, jump him. And yeah, show jumping's definitely his favourite. Sometimes when I jump him, he does like a little squeal of excitement afterwards because he just loves it so much. So, yeah. And so, obviously, you've got your new yes. horse, Joey. Um And so, what are your kind of horse-wise, what are your kind of plans? What are your feet in terms of com- competing and getting out and doing stuff? What do you hope to do with Honestly, them? I'm quite a chilled person. Like, with Joey... Um, he is quite a young horse, he's just turned six. He hasn't done too much before we got him, which was one of the main reasons why I really liked him as well as his lovely personality. But, um, so I'm just, I don't want to rush things, you know, he's young. I want to um, just, you know, go with the flow, see how he goes. Hopefully um, next year, I think we might get out, com- go competing, um, maybe do a few smaller events or a few sort of show- Show jumping Yeah, show jumping. Yeah, show jumping is my thing. But I feel like he would do really well at eventing, so we might have a little try at that. We will see. I don't oh, know, yeah. but he he seems like a horse that would really love cross-country. That's something that I'm really wanting to do is take him out cross-country because recently our van has been a little bit poorly, so it's been a way being fixed, but our horse van is now back, so hopefully yeah, I can take him out cross-country soon. Esme, what is it with you and Grace? Oh, my goodness. Is, is this like... Is this like when you go when you go yep. horse shopping and you have your list? Is it like top of the list? Great. Uh, I get asked this a lot. Um, so yeah, <laughs> our, we had Mickey, and then after that we had Casper, who's grey, and we're like. Okay. Um, after Mickey I was like no I'm never getting another light coloured horse and then Casper came along and he was within our budget and I was like okay and then with Joey I was like okay Uh, for me I was like no no more greys that's enough and then it was my parents were like no Esme you've got to keep the grey theme going because when you're filming a horse a bright white grey with like a sort of brown background stands out a lot more (laughs) compared to a bay horse in a sort of brownish background so we're like okay I, I was fed up with the cleaning <laughs> we're like okay we're not gonna judge a horse on what color it is 
as it should be when we're trying horses. And then Joey came along and I was like, well, he's dark at the moment. So I'll have like a few months at least of not worrying about having to clean him so much, but he is getting lighter, he's getting lighter. And I do love the fact that part of the decision is, you know, it's based on, like you say, what's going to work on camera. You're very professional at all, all yes. times. Yes, so it sounds really strange, but um, when we were looking for a horse, we had all these, we were looking for like a YouTube horse. We were looking for all these requirements, such as something that hasn't done too much, so it doesn't have like a huge competition history or anything like that. Something that's super bold, which definitely is Joey. I take him for hacks. There'll be um, motorbikes will go past, tractors, cars with trailers. He's fine. And there's like Casper behind him, like, oh my goodness, a motorbike. <laughs> so... Yeah, and then there's Joey, who's just turned six, and he's super chilled. So, yeah, he was. That was one of the main reasons as well why I fell in love with him. And obviously, when you first started out, and you know now your life is very much based around your YouTube channel, and your YouTube channel reflects (laughs) your life. So both, you know, it's it's a a great relationship you've got going. Why people love you, I think, but. You started it just for your own purpose, just to record your progress yes. with Casper, and then obviously you started getting followers. Now, can you remember, was there a point when you suddenly thought, okay, you might have had like a hundred likes or a hundred followers, and suddenly, you know, when you suddenly got to a thousand, and when you got to a hundred thousand, can you remember those moments thinking, oh my goodness? Yes, definitely. So, um, yeah, Casper is the main reason why I actually started my YouTube channel to track our progress. And um, yeah, it was the summer after my GCSEs. I um, just made a video every single day because I had nothing else to do. You know, it's a really long summer and I really enjoyed making the videos. I thought, you know what, I'll have a go at this. Seems quite fun. Um, and it was at the end of the summer, I think I got up to 10,000 subscribers. I had been doing YouTube for about a year or two before that, but I was never really consistent with my uploads. It's something yeah. I just did every now and again as I felt like it. But when I started posting, a lot that's when the views started going up and everything so i think the main reason the main sort of point where i was like oh wow i'm actually a youtuber was when i got to 10,000 subscribers i also it was yes. wild when i hit 100k as well because that's when you get your plaque from youtube that they send in the post to you with Amazing. your little channel name on and if i still when i look at it i'm like oh my gosh is that real is that mine so and i mean and at what point did you think goodness this this could actually be a career you know, I can make money out of Honestly, um, it was, well, when I was doing, when I started my A-levels, I just, I think I just, yeah, it was around 20,000 subscribers I had. And then when I finished, I had over 200,000, 250, I believe. So during the whole of school, I was always really focused on my A-levels. You know, obviously school's really important um, as a backup as well, even if that's not something you want to go down the route of. Um, So yeah, I focused really hard, worked really hard for my A-levels, got my results. And yeah, afterwards I was kind of like, well, I'm really enjoying doing YouTube. I can probably do it as a job. I'm just gonna have a year, see how it goes, you know, give it a go. And it's definitely something that I really want to carry on for as long as I possibly can. And how many followers have you currently got? Oh goodness, I honestly YouTube? don't know. I don't like to look at the numbers too often. It's a, it's over. It's over yeah, it's, 000, I think it's around four, four, four hundred and seventy thousand. Wait, four hundred and seventy thousand. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And do you have a target? And you think I want to get to five hundred. I want to get to six hundred. Have you got that in the back of your mind? Is that part of your plan? I think with YouTube, like. Obviously, it would be incredible to get a million subscribers, but that might take a while. But hopefully, I want to try and get 500k by the end of the year, maybe. We will see. 
But it's one of those things that I'm not one of those people that I set a goal and I'm like, I have to get this goal by the end of the time limit or anything like that. I really enjoy what I do. And as long as I'm focusing on the content and I'm putting out good content that I'm really happy with, that's what is most important to me. I mean, there are so many YouTube yes. channels out there <laughs> and Instagram accounts. So why do you think, what is it about this Esme? I think... think that people love. I think it's, I think I have to say it's the horses. The horses, they all have such big personalities. And I think it's one of those things that people always want to come back to. They want to see how the horses are doing, what they're up to. And um, back in the day when I started YouTube, there really weren't many people making videos about horses. And that's why I never really thought it was possible to have an equestrian YouTube channel as a job, because I just thought there aren't enough people out there who would want to watch horsey content, which is definitely something that has surprised me. Um, I get, because I get emails yeah. from people being like, before, um, I started watching your videos, my life was totally different. Like since then, um, since watching my videos, they didn't ride. Now they've moved to the countryside, they've bought a horse ranch if they're in America or stables and like their whole family will sit around and watch my videos together and now their whole family ride horses when before they didn't, which just wow. blows my mind <laughs> what an impact I've had on some people's lives. And, and do you know what, but you really have, because again, so my daughter, um, you know, my daughter is, is sort of a bit young. She doesn't really do Instagram Aww. yet, but some of her friends do. And the moment I mentioned her name, they're like, oh, oh my God, oh my God, you this is me. They were so excited. And it, it's, quite an, it's quite a big thing for you to carry, isn't it? And, you know, banded around this term influencer. You are an influencer. Um, what does that word mean to you? And are you aware of the pressure of that? How does it mean I think feel? with my videos, I'm always really conscious and always think about what I'm putting out there, what are people going to sort of listen to. So for example, when I'm doing my videos that are almost sort of like tutorials, such as how to muck out a stable, I always try and put it as in, this is how I do something. Um, if you don't know how to do it, then you know here's a way you can do it. But if you do it differently, it doesn't mean you're wrong. But also, um, I understand that a lot of people are watching my videos. So something I try to do is I work with a lot of charities to try and spread awareness about them. So um, last year I actually went to Senegal with the Brook Charity and I saw some of the incredible work that they do out there. So yeah, just some of the, mm. just to be able to sort of go out there with the Brook Charity was so eye-opening and just an incredible experience. I've also done quite a lot of work with the RDA yeah. as well. Um, I went to the RDA Nationals last year and I also helped out and filmed a video at one of my local groups, uh, which was amazing to see. And I've also done some stuff with World Horse Welfare, um, talking about sort of their rehoming projects that they have. So yeah, incredible experiences you're getting. So not only, not only getting to talk to show what you're doing with your horses and educate people that way, you're getting an opportunity to educate people about well, about all these amazing yes. charities, which is an incredible opportunity. Um, and, and I said that there is a certain degree of responsibility that you carry. Have there been any moments when you've been doing this that, that have been a bit scary or that you kind of thought, oh my God, I don't know if I can do this. You know, you seem so confident, but I imagine like anything in life, anything on social media, it's not always great. It just isn't, life isn't like that. But we have some really low moments. So. What has been, have you had particular uh, lows or particularly <laughs> I think the hardest time for me was balancing social media with school. I was pretty stressed out at that point, but um, I just worked super, super hard. And I think by the end of it, I was a little bit burnt out. 
Um, but it's one of those things, it's, it's made me stronger and it's made me more motivated because um, now I do it full time. I'm just putting all of my sort of energy into it. And obviously um, another sort of downside is that not everybody is going to like you with social media. And you just, you just have yeah. to sort of be, because you know, you get comments being like, oh, you're an awful rider. But then you also get comments being like, oh, you're the best rider in the world. And obviously I don't believe either of those statements because neither of them are true. So I always say, you know what, with the comments, just believe what you think. I was going to ask you about that, trolls, you know, dealing with trolls. What would your advice be to someone? Because I think that puts mm. people off doing stuff on social media because they're frightened of that. How, how do you I'm really it? lucky that be? the people that watch my videos, I have such a lovely and positive community that it's very rare that I do ever get any negative comments. And I think that's definitely something that um, has been created by whenever you know, somebody says something a little bit snidey, I'll just delete the comment. And then nobody will see that comment. It's when people reply to the comments or like even A-list celebrities, you see them retweeting things or reposting things on their stories, which just breeds more negativity and more hate. It's not the way to do it. Mm. So if you delete it, get out of your mind, move on. Yeah, and what do your friends think of it? I mean, it, does it help? I mean, often, I, you know, celebrities say that it's their friends that keep them sane because you, you, you know, you've got, 500,000 followers, well nearly, sorry, 470,000 followers, oh. hopefully 500,000 very soon. So you've got, you're, you know, you've got a lot of people that love you, lots of fans, but it's it's your friends and family that matter, isn't it? That That's what's real to you. And how, how important is it, are those kind of friendships in, in keeping your feet on the ground in this kind of situation? Oh yes, 100%. Like each week I at least meet up with my friends um, once, obviously all social distance at the moment, but um, no, I, my friends have always been super supportive of my YouTube channel, but we all have like sort of a banter kind of relationship. So we always keep things real, joke about things. And I think it's important that there's a lot of people out there and they have lots of yes friends and they just say yes to everything when I feel like mine are, we're all very brutally honest to each other. <laughs> so if I post sort of video that's maybe a little bit embarrassing, they'll be like, oh my gosh, Esme, you should have done this thing different or this thing different. So, you know, it's it's all good and we all get yes. along really well, so. Are there are there any videos that you've done that you look back on and you kind of go, oh no, you know, maybe in the early days, any, anyone make you cringe? Uh, mainly just the videos that I started off making when I was younger. I feel like whenever people, people see photos or videos of you when you're younger, you're like, oh my gosh, was I really like that? But I think for me, it's just that when I first started doing YouTube, it sounds like I was whispering in all of my videos <laughs> because I was so shy. Oh, so I, I, I think I was, I don't know, worried about my family hearing me talking to the camera or talking to myself in my room being like, gosh, she's a strange child. But no, <laughs> so, so I feel sweet. like, yeah, just me being more confident now is a lot better than before when, I was kind mm. of shy and awkward. <laughs> and obviously lots of followers look and people that want to be YouTube sensations will look to you for inspiration. Who inspires you on YouTube? Who who do you follow? On, oh gosh, I watch a large variety of different YouTubers from um, different sides of YouTube. But I think the YouTuber that I say, I kind of look up to the most has to be sort of the ones that are at the top of the platform that because you know they're obviously doing something right to be at the top so um i watch a bit of pewdiepie every now and again yeah. he's had some controversy in the past but i think the reason why his videos are still popular today as they were 10 years ago is because he keeps it real yeah. the content that he makes it still feels like you're chatting with your best mate um they're in their room playing some video games and you can still relate to them it's when youtubers 
they um, become like a different person. Sometimes they like move to LA, that kind of thing. And they just, it's, you're kind of like, this isn't what I signed up for. So I guess I'd have to say that. Talking of the fans, now I, we put some questions out. Okay. On the Charles <laughs> Owen Instagram feed, and we had lots and lots of lovely questions sent in. We had to whittle it down to a few, so I'm really sorry we can't ask them all. Yep. We've got a question here from bonkers underscore EQ. When did your social media followers start to grow and what triggered it? And we have talked about it, but was there a particular thing that triggered it that you went from a few yes. hundred to thousands? <laughs> Um, so it was the first sort of different video that I published. So before it would just be edits of me riding, things like that. And I thought, you know what? This is a video that would have helped me maybe when I first started out riding. So I did a video called GoPro, how to tack up a horse. So I had a little camera on my head and I was basically just showing how to tack up a horse. And I think back then the YouTube algorithm, because it was around 2016, 2017, um, they were really pushing tutorial videos. So a lot of YouTubers made videos like that. And I didn't realize this at the time. It's something I really kind of realized recently. But um, so that video now, I think it's got um, 4 million views, wow. which is wild. So um, wow. people always are like, oh, what's your most viewed video? And it's like, it's definitely not the one I'm most proud of. <laughs> it was one I made years ago, but um, no, hopefully it's helped a few people. So that was, yeah, the first video that I was like, oh my goodness, my subscribers are going up like a little bit, even though it, it probably just jumped from two, um, from like five to 500, but still I was like, oh my goodness, all these people have come along. Sophie.Emma, and again, we have discussed this a bit, but she wanted to know what was it that first made you start the YouTube channel? What was, it, was the very first, you know, I know we all do videos of ourselves and why do you suddenly think, I know, I'll put it on YouTube, what happened? Well, I enjoyed watching a lot of um, sort of like content on YouTube and I thought, you know what, I'll make some like horsey stuff. It was honestly like Casper is the reason I started YouTube because I would upload my progress videos because my phone would run out of run out of storage because I'd have so many videos of me riding Casper. <laughs> I just thought, you know what, I'll upload it to YouTube. Don't have to worry about storage then. I can go and watch it whenever. Ended up putting like my videos on public. I was like, people can watch it, they can if they want, you know, wasn't expecting anybody to watch them. And then it's just something that's sort of grown over time. <laughs> Indeed it has. And speaking of Casper, mm -hmm. Jasmine Denham wants to know, how long does it take to groom Casper each day? Oh goodness, it depends how dirty he gets, which honestly a lot is very dirty. In the summer he does stay a bit cleaner, but not that much, so, because it's honestly in his morning routine, he has his breakfast, goes out in the field, and he rolls in the muddiest or the dustiest patch he can find. Um, but I feel like I've become quite skilled at grooming grey horses, so I've got a few tips and tricks that I use every now and again, which gets them clean relatively quickly, but I'd say around sort of 10-15 minutes I spend on grooming him. Okay. Well, what, well, just any couple of tips you'd hand on to us? Purple shampoo, yeah, purple shampoo on stable stains, and then um, rubber curry combs or sort of magic brushes, they're really good at getting off sort of dirt that's dry but if it's anything to do with wet mud just put a hose pipe on that don't bother about brushing it because that's not coming off good advice thank <laughs> you h Lou underscore chester pony wants to ask do you have an idol there are so many riders that i feel like i look up to but i think if i had to say one i'd probably say holly smith because last year i went to so many different shows went to both hicksteads the dublin horse show um rotterdam for the europeans um i went to um 
Barcelona for the Nations Cup final. And at every single show, Holly Smith was there with all her horses. And I found it tiring enough going around all the shows, carrying my camera back. I can't imagine what it's like to be competing there, bringing all your horses across the globe. And I, I think last year, going to all the shows, I don't think I quite realized until then how much work and effort goes into being a professional rider. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's not an easy job. No. Just I think people might often think that your job's quite easy. And there's a lot of work that goes on. Yes, the a lot behind the there. scenes. <laughs> absolutely. Um, X.Sophie.Question.X would like to know, how does it feel to be such an inspiration? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, quite a big question yeah, there. Well, first, thank you. But um, I don't know. It's, it's It sounds very bizarre, but it's one of those things that... I, Honestly, it's so difficult to describe because um, I have all these people that do watch my videos and look up to me, but to me, I'm just I'm just Esme, you know? Like I go to the horse shows and people come and do meetups and come meet me, which I really enjoy, love meeting you guys. But it still baffles me how people will line up in a queue for almost two hours to meet me when at the show there are Olympians, incredible riders, and then it, it's just me. I think though, that's the whole point, I think people like you because it's because you're just you yeah because you're very you and I think people can relate to you and I think maybe it's the it's the Olympic riders they think well I'm never going to be an Olympic rider Aww. so though they, although they admire them they can't necessarily aspire to be them but I think people feel like they can aspire to be you yeah which is, you know you, you do great things with your horses and they love the horses don't they Aww. they love the horses and they love you oh thanks yeah also people like your outfits let's face it <laughs> And Danita yep. dot underscore EQ wants to know how many matchy matchy sets do you have? Oh, I get asked this a lot, and honestly, I have lost count because <laughs> I, the thing is, I have a whole box full of saddle pads and things ready to do giveaways with, and I always get asked, oh, how many saddle pads do you have, or how many riding tops do you have, and. I honestly don't know. I'd probably spend like a whole day counting them all if I'm honest, which is not good. Um, so yeah, I am doing a lot of giveaways and things and hopefully giving back to my subscribers, which is nice. <laughs> also, let's talk about Charles Owen Helmet. Yes. E1 underscore 0014X wants to know, what made you choose Charles Owen Helmets? Um, so before... Yeah, before Charles Owen contacted me, I actually already rode in their helmets. I had one of their skull caps. Um, for me personally, the main thing what, that I really love about Charles Owen is the safety. For example, when I went to the factory, I saw this sort of testing room that they have where they do all of these tests on their products because, you know, the main reason why you ha wear a helmet is because it protects your head, you know? Um, but also, I love how they look as well. Like, one of my favourites that I actually wore today was the um, SP8, which has, like, the little glitter on top um which looks nice, very fancy yes. it's very me yes, it does. um and yeah i just think they look really pretty as well but yeah mainly i'd have to say definitely the safety Murty moray wants to know what is your favorite charles owen helmet yeah as i said i really i think it's, it's so difficult because there are so many that i really like and um it's quite nice because i'm so lucky that i have quite a few so i have the variety of changing them up like i have the pinstripe which is um in like a light gray and rose gold which i definitely would say are my colors um i love the reflection as well of the size of the peak i feel like it's almost perfect and um it has the sort of yeah the reflection bit on top which i think looks really cool obviously i have all my skull caps um the Mips ones in lots of different colours as well because matchy matchy. So I think it's difficult to just say one, but those are a few of my favourites. Leading on from that, Esme, 
Chloe.e eventing wants to know how did it feel to get all your sponsors? How does it feel? Would you remember getting your first sponsor and how how's it how's it kind of been to have them all? Yeah, so it still sort of blows my mind today, but um, you know, I started off with like a few sort of like small independent businesses on Instagram to now like I walk into my local tax shop and I like see the Charles Owen helmets up there and it's like wow this is a brand that I work with or um for example when I go and pick up my feed for the horses I see like the Bailey's horse feed bags there I'm like oh my goodness I work with them so yeah I still like every time I bring on a new sponsor and things I still get the same feeling as I did um back in the day when I've when it was all sort of new and things. So yeah, it, it still blows my mind. <laughs> Going back to your horses, mm -hmm. Ava underscore eventing underscore one wants to know, we did talk about, we've touched on this a little bit earlier in the interview, but will you compete Joey? And if so, at what level? Yes, so the plan is um, next year to hopefully um, have a little go at competing, see how he goes, eventually affiliate him. And honestly, I'm not one of those people where I have a goal, I'm like, okay, I want to jump 120s with him. Like, if he can do that, then that is amazing, and we'll just see how he go how it goes. But um, honestly, because he's young, I'm not in sort of any mood to rush him. I'm just going to see how it goes, and because, you know, at the end of the day, for me, competing is fun, it's not my job, and, um, you know, if you're having fun, that's the main part. <laughs> it really is. No, absolutely, 100% agree with that. We've come to the end of those questions now. I've got three final questions which we ask everyone that comes on the Charles okay. Owen podcast. Um, and the first question is, if you hadn't been a YouTuber, what would you have been? Now, obviously, what was it, biology, chemistry, geography, or A-levels? What do you think you'd have, you'd have done? So, um, I was actually looking at unis and things, and I think what I was really interested in was actually veterinary physiotherapy, because um, then I could go to uni, still work with horses, and um, maybe be on the equestrian team, something like that, maybe even bring my own horse to uni. But, um, so that's what I was kind of looking at. I did want to be a vet in the past, but I thought, you know what, that sounds a little bit too stressful for me and having all that pressure. So I thought um, vet physio would be really nice working with horses and sort of the rehabilitation side of things. Right. And another question I've got, which is funny, normally we say, what, what do you wish you'd known 10 years ago? Now, 10 years ago, you were only yes. nine. <laughs> so I don't think, I let, <laughs> so what I was going to say instead was, what do you wish you'd known when you first started this YouTube journey? Is there anything you know now that you wish you'd known back then? I think I would just say, do things for you, not for other people, because you're not going to make everybody happy. Put out the content you want to make. Don't worry about what other people think as well. Like, I feel like that's something that a lot of young people, they feel really sort of self-conscious and worry a lot about what people think. But at the end of the day, people are selfish and they're not going to be thinking about you. That People are always thinking about themselves. So, you know, do what you, what you want to do. Do what makes you happy. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Well, and finally, leading on, do what makes you happy. When are you happiest? Oh, goodness. Uh, so many times. Laughing with my friends, making my videos, editing my videos where I like find a transition or it hits on the beat and it just works amazingly. Galloping across the fields or across the beach with my horses. Um, jumping my horses and when you get like the perfect stride and they lift off and it just feels like you're flying. So, so many different things, but yeah. <laughs> You seem like a very happy person. Are you naturally, do you think, are you naturally a very, are you a, are you a glass half full type person? Yeah, I think I probably would say I am, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what comes across, isn't it, in your videos, isn't it? Do you think it's that, it's that kind of, yeah, you love your horses and you love what you yeah, do? Yeah, at the end of the day, if things don't go right, things always get better. So you just, you know, have to go along with life. It's a roller coaster and it always ends up all right. <laughs> 
great. Well, thank you so much. Good positive words oh. to finish on there, Esme. Thank you so much for your time. We've loved talking oh, to you. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. Brilliant one. Good luck with reaching your oh, 500,000. I'm sure you'll do it. <laughs> Thanks. Bye.